Uh, I want to return to a series we were doing earlier this year. Uh, I haven't. I think it was earlier this year. It might have been late last year. It's a while since I preached. It was late last year. And it was, there's nothing new under the sun. Can anyone remember that? Yeah. You pro- well, you can. That's amazing um, because it's a long time ago. And if you might remember, the first instalment of that was woke. Remember I spoke about woke culture. And the fact is that we think it's a new thing, but it's not a new thing at all. Actually, it's as old as the scriptures themselves. And, uh, and so I want to sort of dive back in there, have a look at something else, uh, but maybe from a different angle this time. It's something that will bring reassurance to us. You know, the fact is we live in a culture that is so media saturated and it's so advertising driven. You know, have you ever... Do you recognise, sometimes where this is sort of uh, subconscious, but have you ever recognised the, the draw towards discontent that we can have because of advertising? I, I always put it this way. Have you ever woken up happy, but by morning tea, you feel like you're missing out? And often it's because of, you know, advertising, advertising, trillions are, are spent on advertising. And, and the great bulk of it is aimed as, at making us feel either inadequate or like we're missing out. It generates something in us that makes us discontent and it drives us to purchase. That's kind of how our world operates. And in a world that is so saturated with so many messages and so many things out there doing the advertising, a trend that I've noticed in the last couple of years is it's like, you know, what is the big hook now? What is the big hook? Yes, I know sex always sells and that's a big one. But I think there's a bigger hook that's right across the board right now and our media has picked up on it as well. And it is the immediate, the now the urgency of the moment. Get in before you miss out. Get it. You've got to get it now. It's only on special today for the next hour, the first 10 callers or whatever it is. But there's this draw towards urgency. You've got to get in or you'll miss out. And I actually think it's creating a bit of a mindset in us where we start to think about everything in our world that way with this intense urgency because there's so many messages coming at us, whether it's through our messenger or our text or our email or, our, or you know, whatever, all the people speaking in our world, how do we filter out, how do we prioritise the messages we're going to actually listen to? And often it's around time sensitivity. It's like, I, I need to get this now. I know I'm talking to people sometimes now and they've asked me for an appointment. I've taken time out of my day to sit with them, but they want to read a text message while I'm talking to them. And I'm like, that is so rude. You know, honestly, but, but they're oblivious. Don't even realise they're doing it because this demand on our attention. And it's like, it's now, it's now, it's now. Or it's unprecedented. It's never been before. And that's why I did this series. There is nothing new under the sun. So let's look at some ancient wisdom. And, uh, and, and then I'm going to break it into a particular topic tonight. Timeless wisdom, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. What has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? 
It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. But no one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. And at first you could say, oh, well, no, that's just not true. No, no, well, tell me how it's not true. I'll give you some examples. Technology. It might take a different form, but it has always been something that has happened. The first people to light a fire were ahead of their neighbours. They had technology that no one else did, and it would have made the haves and the have-nots feel separate. No different to when a firearm was invented and all of a sudden you could take your enemies out at 100 yards. If your enemy only had a sword, that puts you at an amazing advantage. Technology has always been there when we first invented aeroplanes. Immediately you have the haves and the have-nots, those who can afford a ticket and those who can't. Technology, there is nothing new under the sun. Whether it's striking a flint on a stone or flying in the sky... It's all just advances in technology. And yet again, advertising and media, it picks up, it makes everything new. Why? Because it's urgent and compelling and compelling sells. But I think where we get assurance and reassurance and comfort from ancient wisdom is just in knowing that wherever humanity's at right now, it's been here before. It might, and it will be here again, most likely. It might take a different form, but it's not necessarily new. And so I really want to, I guess, drill down on this and go right back to the beginning. I want to talk about there's nothing new under the sun, chaos. Chaos (laughs) is not new. Some of us are feeling like it's new because our lives have been turned upside down. Come on, who can't say life has been turned upside down in this last season? I mean, we all know it has been. And without doubt, uh, that's been our experience. Our personal circumstances, our perception of time. Who's just lost track of? It's almost like, you know, 2019. It's hard to remember what life was like back then when my favourite coffee shop was full instead of having four people at peak hour. Like, it just seems surreal. Time has, has definitely shifted. Our priorities have. Our relationships have been changed. And in times of crisis and times of chaos, and I just want to tell you what chaos, here's the definition. Chaos means disorganisation, disruption, a muddle, a mess, a shambles. Okay? It's, in other words, when things get really messy, that's chaos. Okay, And I think at times like this, when we're feeling like things have gotten really messy, it pays for us to remember that there's nothing new under the sun. So here's some thoughts. It all started with chaos. We were literally born into it. The human race, the, this whole planet as we know it, the Bible tells us, began... In chaos, and look at how many good things. Look at these row of strapping young men on the front row. How many good things came out of chaos? Who would have thunk it? But if you go right back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, first verses in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. A Hebrew word there literally means a place of chaos. And empty. 
Hebrew word means undistinguishable ruin. In other words, nothing recognisable. Everything wrecked. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so you look at this, this is where it all began, but God speaks into it. Here's some thoughts I see in that verse. God's word always speaks into chaos and brings order and brings beauty. We see that as that story unfolds, we just see there's light and then there's, there's water and there's a separation of day and night and there's sea creatures and animals and eventually man. God speaks into chaos and can take chaos on and bring out of it something that's beautiful. So God has the power to change chaos, but I think what's even more powerful in here is that God seems perfectly at home entering chaos. So when I read this, it's like God, it actually seems, God actually seems to see chaos as an invitation for involvement right from the very first verses of the Bible. So number one, there's nothing new about chaos. If we think our lives are chaotic, we should go back to Genesis 1 verse 2. It started in chaos and God's perfectly comfortable with chaos. As a matter of fact, it would seem like God sees chaos. He's, it's like he's attracted to chaos he can't help himself but bring beauty and order out of that which is messy don't you love it here's another thought Jesus was born into chaos just look at it just skip forward a bit to Jesus Christ he was born into Jesus wasn't born into perfect circumstances far from it most of us know his story a little bit of it right from Luke chapter 2 you know, his mum's, you know, on a donkey when she's like nine and a half months pregnant because of a census that the occupying Roman nation had decreed had to happen. And so they're in the middle of the night. They land in this town where, where they were born, the place of their origin. There's nowhere for them to stay. She ends up having a baby in a dairy, basically, in a barn. Chaos. That was the circumstances of Jesus' birth, not only that, but the world he was born into, the rise of imperial Rome, the Roman Empire. It was the most brutal empire that had been seen to that point on the planet, the Paxus or the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, which was universal. And what it basically meant was we say what the rules are and if you step outside the box, we kill you. Sometimes very publicly and very painfully and uh, and that was the world Jesus was born into not only that but the highest levels of the religious institution of his own nation were corrupt chaos 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 and he was continuously speaking into it and confronting it as a matter of fact when you look at the chaos when Jesus was born you almost couldn't blame God for just writing it off if God had just gone, you know what? You guys are just all too difficult. I'm just going to smash it and make another one. God could do that. But look at what John, the, the, the Apostle John, what he records in John 3 verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. So Jesus himself enters this incredibly chaotic society, chaotic world, groaning under the pain of domination by another nation. Jesus walks right into the middle of it, right into a corrupt religious system, right into the centre of it all, and then lays his life down for the very ones who wanted to kill him. Remember what he says on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That wasn't just general speak out there. He was actually speaking about the people who were driving nails through his hands and his feet. So far from writing it off, Jesus entered the chaos and the brokenness and the messiness and laid his life down so that a different story could be written. Then the invitation came to come out of that, come out of the brokenness, get forgiveness, get healing, pull your world back together from chaos to order, from ugliness to beauty. You see this movement all the way through the scripture. What is God up to in the world? He's putting it all back together. So you get to the bottom of that and God definitely sees chaos as an invitation for involvement. God sees chaos as an invitation for involvement. So what about us? Any chaos going on in us, personally? Any messy people out there, or am I the only one? Human beings are naturally chaotic. And it's probably not a good term, naturally, but I'm just going to use it that way and I'll explain it a bit. But we are, come on, who here, who's good at messing it up? Messing life up, making mistakes, blunders. Who's ever felt they need to bite the words back out of the air? Said, done things that you regret painfully, things. I always describe it this way because sometimes I think of my life before Jesus and sometimes some things after Jesus, after meeting him as a young man at 21 years of age and I actually go red with embarrassment and there's no one else in the room. I'm just locked in with my own mess. And my own chaos, and it's like, oh man, I wasn't that person, was I? Yes, I was. Anyone else here? You don't need to put your hand in the air. Just give me a little, make your eyes light up behind the mask. Romans 8, 7 sort of explains it. Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh. You put it this way, the mind that's driven. When When we're just thinking of ourselves, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Actually angry with God. Have you ever met someone who's just angry with God and they haven't really got a reason? The reasons they bring up are generally their friends' reasons. They're not their reasons at all. Oh, but I've heard the church did this or I heard God does that. It's not their experience at all. They're just angry. And the reason is, is because they actually just want to feed their own flesh. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want someone to sort of call them out on poor behaviour. And the Bible calls this a sin nature. It says you're hostile towards God in your mind. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. In other words, you know, struggling in our own efforts to somehow live right. (laughs) 
Who's found out when you struggle and wrestle and you're determined to be better that the next day sometimes you're even worse? That's why, that's why New Year's resolutions get discouraging. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm going to turn over a brand new leaf <sighs> next year. Okay. We're all familiar with shoot yourself in the foot syndrome. Here's the question. What if God sees your chaos as an invitation to involvement? Everywhere I look at scripture, God sees chaos. God sees brokenness. God sees messiness. God sees a shambles, which we're often tempted to hide from God. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, they grab the fig leaves, blah, blah, blah. We're tempted to hide it. We're tempted to rationalise. We're tempted to sort of go, you know, on the surface, I'm doing really well, I'm doing really well, even though you know you're a mess. But what if God sees your brokenness, your messiness, your chaos, and just sees it as an invitation to be involved? That is the God that I have always experienced personally. That my mess that I would rather hide, my mess that I'd rather deny, my mess that I'd rather deal with any other way but bringing it to God, God always seems happy when I finally surrender to enter the chaos and bring something redemptive, bring something more beautiful out of the mess because he's done it since creation. It's how the whole world came to being. God happy to enter the brokenness and create a better story. I love this. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and that, that term sinners is basically when we just don't reflect everything that God is. You know, we, we like to label sin and sinners and the ins and the outs and a moral list of do's and don'ts. But really that's not what sin is. Sin is simply when we fail to reflect the image of our creator. We were created to be reflectors of him. So when people saw us, they saw the goodness of God. Whenever we're less than that, that's what we call chaos. That's what we call mess. That's when people get hurt. And yet God's demonstrated his love already. He's already said, you know what? Your chaos, before you even fix it, I want to be there. We, we sort of want to fix our chaos so we can go to God. Come on, who wants to get cleaned up to have a bath? That's what we do. And God just says, jump in the bath. I love being in the chaos with you. I'll fix it. I'll bring a different story out of it. So here's some questions. If my chaos is an invitation to God, what areas of my life does he want to be involved in? Can we just stop and think about it for a minute? If my chaos, instead of me wanting to hide it in, in shame, wanting to deny it, if I actually thought about it differently and thought, you know, where I'm messy, God's looking at that right now like I'm begging him to be involved. <laughs> then what areas would he get involved in? What areas would you want him involved in? Knowing that he's not there to punish you for your mess, he's there to enter that and bring something different out of it. Another question, what chaos am I facing that I need God to speak into? I guess I just said that one. 
come on, what's an area where you think, man, I'd love God to speak and bring some order, bring some healing, bring some restoration, bring some forgiveness, bring, bring whatever is needed. Because I tell you what, God's looking at it like an invitation. What area? How does viewing my chaos as an invitation change my perception of my brokenness? Because it should. You know, if you see your messiness, hey, am I still speaking to everyone in the room? I know there's a lot of movement, but let's, everyone online. You know, how does it change my perception when I switch from, well, that's a mess I need to hide to that's a mess God wants to get involved in? How does it change my perception of myself? of my own foibles, mistakes, issues, problems, whatever you want to label it as, it should change it. We should see opportunity. It could help us to say, God, really? Really, would you really? You really want to get involved in that? Because we, we, we struggle to see it. But I tell you what, you're nowhere near as messy as Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. You're nowhere near that messy. And God delights in entering into chaos. Last question for us to think about. Where could I intentionally hold the door open for God's involvement? You know, rather than just waiting for God to sort of, maybe God will zap me, maybe God will ambush me on, my, on the road this week. Don't wait for it, friend. Where would we go? You know what, Lord, I just want to swing the door open. I want to... If you see chaos as a welcome mat, I'm going to open the door. Because I think that's how God sees it. It's like a welcome mat. <laughs> well, I'm going to unlock the door and swing it wide and say, Lord, I, I, just, I just invite you right in. Come right into the centre of this, this messiness, this brokenness, this whatever. And do what you do best. Speak life and bring order out of chaos bring beauty out of pain I'm just so convinced God wants to do that in our lives so could we pray together tonight and, uh, and I'd love to pray for you tonight so um, if you're comfortable close your eyes or bow your head and if you're comfortable you can look right at me because I can look right at you I'm comfortable praying either way Father, I just thank you for how good you are and that you don't shy away from the difficult stuff which is what we are often tempted to do and often we paint you in our image. I just thank you, Father. It, it's, it's your delight to enter chaos and bring something beautiful out. And I just pray for all of us here right in the room online. I just pray for us that we could just be real with you and open with you in our relationship with you. Just allow you in. And not wait for you to somehow overtake us, but actually surrender and intentionally open the door and allow you to work in us. Whatever that looks like, whatever area of our lives. And I thank you, Father. I believe you've spoken to hearts here tonight by your Spirit. I believe people have heard your voice and felt the prompting of your Spirit. And things have come up in their minds and their thinking and memories. And I just pray you meet them right there.
right at that point of chaos, of mess and bring healing, bring life, bring beauty in Jesus' name. And also, you know, if you're here in the room or online with us and and you've yet to begin your journey with Jesus, I mean, I'm just talking about what, what God wants to do in our lives. He's happy to enter no matter where we're at. And maybe you haven't begun that journey, but tonight here's an opportunity and I want to throw it out to you. Right where you sit, here at home on the lounge, wherever it is, you can just open your heart to Jesus right where you stand, right where you sit, right where you're driving along or tomorrow morning walking the dog if that's where this podcast hits you. And you can just actually open your heart to Jesus and say, God, I, I want to bring you into maybe the messiest parts of my world, maybe bring you into places in my life that I've never let anyone go before. And Jesus, I surrender to you. I give my life over to you. And I ask you to bring beauty out of the chaos. That's a great prayer to pray. You can, you can just pray that right now. Open your heart to Jesus. Jesus.